0: Oh, Escobar sends one deep to right, and the Brewers will take the lead on a bomb by Escobar.
1: Kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, Maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background
0: and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
1: I'll say it. I'll say the unpopular thing. I'll say the thing that everybody's thinking. Nobody wants to say. Nobody wants to be here right now. All right? I, I don't want to be sitting in this chair behind this microphone right now. You don't want to be doing whatever you're doing right now. Nobody wants to be doing what they're doing at this moment. We woke up this morning, whatever time that might be, not to not to brag, you probably got up a lot earlier than I did, and your first thought was, I just want it to be 7 o'clock, and I want to be on my couch with some chips, some dip, and a beer. The NFL starts tonight. This entire day was a throwaway. This was like going to school the last day before spring break, or the last day before Christmas vacation. Like, yes, we're here. I'm here in body, but not in mind, not in spirit. We're going to talk about the Brewers tonight. We're going to talk a little bit even about the Packers. Talk a little bit about the bit. Maybe the badgers will come up. I don't know. But really what we all want is we want for it to be 7 o'clock. And I want to see Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and the first NFL game of the year. And I only have one fantasy player going out of my like three or four leagues tonight. But yes, I'm amped for that too. The thing is, we have a couple of hours left. All right, so we might as well make these next couple of hours count. Let's have some good productive conversations. Maybe have some nice fun back and forth on the phones. Crack some jokes. We'll connect with a guest and then we'll go home and we'll enjoy football, okay? Let's power through. I'm not going to mail in the show, so you have to do your part as well. You can't mail it in either. We got a couple of hours left until kickoff. My name is Grant Mills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Happy NFL kickoff day. Happy for week 1 day. I don't know. Just, congrats. We did it. We made it. It's the last day for the last week without football until February. It is excellent. It's wonderful. I went to the grocery store this morning. All the chips and dip were on sale. All the brats were a couple of dollars off. There was football gear hanging up. Like, yes, can feel it in the air. It's very exciting. Buccaneers and Cowboys tonight. I would imagine the Buccaneers will probably win by 20 plus. And the Buccaneers defense will probably have like eight sacks and a couple of pick sixes. And the announcers will be like, oh my God, Tom Brady's 50 years old. He's doing this. Oh my God, how can we believe? Oh, I don't believe it. It's unbelievable. Whatever. Like, that's what will happen tonight. And it won't make me happy, Uh, the result, because Tom Brady is the worst, and he's the worst thing that happened to sports in a long time. But football will be back, and that's amazing, not just in the sports world, but for us as Americans, all right, as good, red, white, and blue, patriotic, blood-breathing Americans. It'll be excellent, and I'm looking forward to that. Maybe we'll do a little bit of previewing of tonight's game, although I don't really care about the Cowboys, and I think it's very clear how I feel about the Buccaneers. I do want to talk about the Brewers, and I want to talk Packers with you, I have... Some thoughts on the Devontae Adams situation. And with Mike Clements, we'll talk with him coming up at 5.30. A couple of last comments made by the Packers, some players, and some coaches heading into week one, which is in Jacksonville, but played against New Orleans. Who doesn't have Drew Brees, has Jameis Winston, so the whole game on Sunday is going to feel very out of place. But I don't care, because it's week one, and Aaron Rodgers is playing, which a couple of months ago we didn't even know would be the case. Send me a text if you'd like to be a part of the show, 608-796-2558. You can send me a tweet as well. Wisco, Grant. Why don't we start with the Brewers and we'll work in Packers a little bit throughout the next two hours. When I was prepping the show today, I ran into a little bit of a mental roadblock. Sitting here at my desk, I'm just like, huh. So help me out here. I want you to be honest with me because I feel like every Brewers conversation we've had over the last two weeks or so has been the exact same. Every show has been the same. Every conversation, every point I've made about the Brewers has been the exact same. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe you like that. Maybe that's great. Maybe the content has been consistent and we have something to look forward to and we're in a nice rhythm and hey, I'm all for a nice rhythm. Don't get me wrong. But the last two weeks, it feels like we've done the same thing every day. And tell me if I'm wrong here. The Brewers win. We celebrate on Twitter. Oh, this team so special. Hashtag, this is my crew. Then the next day, I come in, turn on the microphone, I grab it next to my mouth, and I explain why Last night's win showed that the Brewers are a World Series team. Right? Am I wrong there? It's what we did yesterday. I I compared the Brewers to the Seahawks yesterday, for God's sake. We have been doing this for the last two weeks. Brewers win. We celebrate. The next day, we start the show. This, this, and this happened, and that just goes to show that this is a team with World Series potential. Which, great. It's awesome. I love that the Brewers are amazing, and 31 games over 500, and... Running away with the NL Central because the Reds really aren't that good. They're absolutely a World Series contender. That's great. But do we need to mix it up here? We need to shake things up. Approach the Brewers from a different angle. Because I can I can do the World Series thing about last night's game. But fine. I'm just, I'm just wondering if we should aim higher. Should we strive for better? I, I don't know what that would entail. Maybe you have some ideas. Here, here's what we'll do. I'll do a little bit of the World Series thing. We'll feel it out a few minutes and then we can reassess how we feel. I have, okay. Did have a decent idea? Okay. Ready? <clears throat> Here we go. And uh, action. Wow. Brewers last night taking the series over the Phillies. After dropping a, a rough one in game one, they were shut out, blanked, beat a dozen to nothing. Look, <laughs> looked like a football score in game one. And then they came back, One game two, one last night in a nail biter. We, <laughs> we knew the score. No way that the third game was going to be like the first two 10 to 0, 12 to 0. No chance. Brewers and the Phillies a lot closer last night, four to three. You knew it was going to be that way in a rubber game against the Phillies, who were in the heat heat of a pennant chase in the NL Central or the NL, the NL East. Excuse me, the Brewers in the Central. <laughs> this team is is special. Wow. We've talked about the starting pitching. We've talked about the defense. And oh, Josh Hader's amazing, and Devin Williams is great. And oh, look at Yelich; he's starting to get going, awesome. And oh, Craig Council, he's a World Series manager, absolutely. All of the reasons why the Brewers could win a World Series. And yesterday, we talked about how the Brewers have won weird games over the last six days. They've almost thrown no-hitters. They've thrown complete game shutouts. They've been shut out themselves. They had a walk-off Grand Slam. They've had weird reviews, right? Overcoming. Winning in weird circumstances. Tim Dillard, friend of show, shouted it out after the game the other night, saying that's a great skill. Translate well in the postseason. Love that. All of these great examples of why this Brewers team is a World Series team. And last night... Wouldn't you know? We got, we got some new evidence about why this team could make the World Series. Wow, they just keep putting great things on tape, don't they? Wow, 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 championship makeup. Talk about championship makeup. Let's talk about Eduardo Escobar and that home run that you heard to, to start the show. Wow. And, that, and, folks, that's why they brought him in. Moments like that. Remember, uh, remember what they said at the deadline? David Stearns, Craig Council, we've only talked about this a million times, right? We want redundancies. We want depth. We want lots of options, right? That's that's Eduardo Escobar. They had Luis Urias and Adamas and Wong or Tellez and Vogelback. That was a pretty good infield, but they, they didn't stop there. No, sir. No, ma'am. They were aiming higher. They wanted redundancies for moments last night. They wanted redundancy. And Eduardo Escobar hitting that home run last night. That's an example of why they brought... Yeah, I can't do this. I'm tired. I can't. <laughs> We've done this topic a million times. We've had this conversation 30 times since the trade deadline, We're talking about redundancies and depth, and like, great, awesome. This seems really good. This is, this is nothing new. This is not interest to me. Like I, I really tried. If you couldn't tell, I really tried to gas myself up there. I could only do it for about four minutes. It's, tr- it's true. Nothing I said was a lie. Like that's why they got Eduardo Escobar for nights like that against the Phillies, where man, offense was both easy and hard to come by, and they just needed one extra bat to make the difference, and last night, wouldn't you know, Eduardo Escobar made the difference. Great, okay? Do I need to explain this? Do I need to make some analogy about, uh, let's think, what's a real-life analogy for uh, redundancy? We could go fishing. We could go cooking. What do we, I don't know. What do we, what's the analogy here? You need a little bit extra. You need a little bit of oomph. Um... Let's say deer hunting, bow hunting just started. Should we do a bow hunting analogy? Look, when you're trying to get that big buck to come into the stand, and darn, the wind is going your way, and 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 and, and the, the rut is just the right time, and the sun is setting, and you're in the tree, and the buck's 80 yards away, but you needed to come whatever 40 yards closer, so you pull that bleat can out of your pocket, and you give it a little, right. That's Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo, he's a he's a bleat can. There is that. Is that what the show needed? Did we need an we need an analogy to explain this? That little extra oomph to get you across the finish line. That's Eduardo Escobar. We've talked about this a million times. We could talk a little bit about Aaron Ashby and Freddie Peralta. right? Listening to Craig Council in the postgame last night, I think this is probably the most interesting part of last night's game. I think Peralta and Ashby, a lot of parallels in their performances last night and what we should take away from their performances last night. Aaron Ashby, two innings, zero earned runs, one strikeout, one walk. Freddie Peralta, three and two-thirds, four hits, one earned run, one strikeout. A very un-Peralta-like outing. And I know a lot of Brewers fans today, because I listened to some sports talk this morning and this afternoon, are like, oh, I'm worried about Freddie. He hasn't looked the same after his injury and blah, blah. He hasn't had great starts. I know he hasn't looked the same. I think that's just baseball, and that's what Freddie said after the game. He's like, no, I've felt fine. It's just been some weird games, some weird moments He got no help defensively last night, especially from Luis Urias, who eventually redeemed himself at the very end, catching that line drive, which gave me deja vu of opening day, the the same way the season started, the first at-bat of the year, when Urias speared a line drive out of the air like that. But Freddie didn't get any help from his defense, and I, I don't know. I think last night was more of an aberration. Council talked about last night, not as an aberration for Peralta, or as a sign of bad performance since this injury, but actually, is an opportunity, and I found that very interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think he's locked in, but I, I think he's healthy. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I, you know, the velocity was outstanding today. Um, I, I think we just got to keep getting him out there on regular, regular um, turn, and um, well, we got, you know, three or four more, probably four more till till the end. So we got an opportunity to do that and just keep moving forward
1: opportunity, another opportunity. Last night was an opportunity for Freddy Peralta. Okay. That's interesting. He Went three and two thirds or yeah, three and two thirds. Felt like two innings. God, it was a grind for Peralta last night. Just every pitch felt like every at-bat was 10 pitches long. There were a bajillion fly balls. Nothing was easy. He was always one pitch away from wiping a guy out. He would start the count off. Okay. He'd start, you know, one and two, two and two. He'd put himself in a good spot. And for whatever reason, the couldn't just put guys away, and when he did, the defense wouldn't help him out, but the strikeouts weren't there. It was very clunky, and you might think of last night as a really rough outing and maybe a concerning trend for Peralta, but Craig Council said, hey, we just need to keep getting him out there. We have three or four more chances by the end of the year. Last night was a good opportunity for Peralta to get out there and get some work. Found that very interesting. Opportunity. And when Council continued his presser last night talking about Aaron Ashby, he also did so kind of through that lens, an opportunity, another chance for Asprey.
2: Here's more. I mean, Aaron did a great job. You know, we're, we're trying to throw something a little bit different at Aaron every, every time, and he's handling it all very well um, as far as, like, getting ready and when you're going in and things like that. And he's handling everything very well. So we'll, we'll keep throwing things at him, and he's, he continues to just pitch very, very well. Mm. One more time? I mean, Aaron did a great job. You know, we're, we're trying to throw something a little bit different at Aaron okay. every, every time. And- that's
1: what I was looking for. Trying to throw something different at Ashby every time. Give him different looks. Give him different. And that's interesting for a team that's 31 games over 500. And their magic number is dwindling. I don't even know what it is. I don't care because they're going to win the division to make the playoffs. I'm not concerned about that. I haven't dedicated any time on that show to this. Or on this show to that, rather. Sorry. Strike that. Reverse it. Right? Right? Using the rest of the season as an opportunity. And Adam McAlvey, that wily, observant beat reporter that he is, followed up. This is interesting. Follow up
0: one thing on Ashby. When you say throwing different things at him, do you just mean the games have been different that he's gone into, or have you guys purposely sort of thrown different things at him? You know what I'm saying? Have you Has there been some plan to expose him to different situations on
2: purpose, or has it just been the game? I think the games have led to different things we have given him a heads up kind of on when he's going to pitch and something. And then today it was just, you may pitch, you may not, you're in the bullpen, you're ready to go. What inning, you know, who knows? So, you know, he's, he's been primarily a starter. He knows when he's going into the game. And, and so, you know, he's started games here. He's we've kind of scripted what inning he's going to go in. And today was just, you know, whenever you're needed, you get ready to go. He was up today and then had to sit down and, then got back up. So, I just think that's things when we get in, if, if we get into a situation that um, it's kind of the all hands on deck situation that we're hoping to get into that, you know, we're not going to be able to script anything for them. It's just going to be get ready and get in the game.
1: I get tweets and I get texts where it's like, stop talking about the World Series. We got to clinch the division first. I, no, this is why I don't have an issue talking about the playoffs is because Craig Council's straight up using these games as experiments. He's looking for opportunities to get Aaron Ashby in in this situation, in this situation. He's using these games as one big experiment to get his pitchers the looks so they're ready for the postseason. Craig Council ain't worried. Brewers ain't worried. I'm not worried either. They're making the playoffs, which is why we're talking big picture here, which is why I think we're so bored because we just want the playoffs to start already. But we should savor this team and savor these games because they're a lot of fun. Let's go to the phones. Binks in Lacrosse. Binks, how are you today?
3: Doing good. How are you, Gene? Bills?
1: I am amped because there's football tonight. I just I'm trying to get through the show quickly as possible today, uh, without stepping all over got my it. words and embarrassing myself. Yes, oh, okay. run out run out Word. the clock type uh, of show. Okay, got it. Okay, so
3: I <laughs> didn't get a chance to ask you a question last night, but I love the way you're thinking here. Let's stop worrying about the division. We got that. It, it's uh, it's done. I mean, we we take we took care of business. Uh, so job well done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody yeah. Everybody else in our division, they're a bunch of turds. So
1: Amen to that. Um,
3: there you go. Okay, so the question I have for you is, about, with a third of the way through the season, uh, folks such as yourself and other um, uh, tweeters out there that I'm connected with and baseball fans were saying, oh, it's early in the season for these relievers. We don't have to have them pitch two innings, so I'm going to go straight to it. Why do folks, or why didn't uh, council and the um, uh, the people that do make these decisions, why didn't they, why don't they have the other than you know last night Aaron Ashby, why didn't they have uh, Josh Hader if we're coming into a tight ball game, uh, pitch like uh, more than one inning, uh, is there a good answer for that? I mean we're we're late in the season where it's obviously he's pitching one and he's done. Uh, yeah. unless it's extremely, um, it's, unless it's an extremely emergent um, situation, so that never developed. I I think I can't ex- point to exactly how many games that would have been beneficial. Sure. But you know the. Do you see the? Do you see that there's never going to be a? You know, uh, Williams is never going to pitch more than one inning. Um, no. Uh, hater's never going to pitch more than one inning. Boxburger's
1: never going to pitch more than one inning. Um, your thoughts on that, please? Yeah, Banks, and I appreciate and, the phone call. Enjoy football tonight. Yeah. Enjoy the game. Talk to you tomorrow.
3: I I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to be uh, <laughs> there's there's no Brewers, man. So I think I'm going to be cutting the grass. I'm sorry. I'm not the I'm not the football type. So,
1: oh no, that's true. Unless there's the Badgers. Yeah, that's... unless there's the Badgers, but yeah. Thanks Sorry, for the call, Binks. Enjoy your night. No, you're good. Okay, bye. Yeah, have a good one. That's Binks and Lacrosse. Uh, do you have a good answer for that? No, because it's it's not going to happen. I don't, it's not going to happen next week. There, there's no point we're going to reach in the season where Hater now is going to pitch more than one inning or Williams is going to pitch more than one inning. They're going to be one inning guys. That's been what they've done all year. Now, maybe Williams comes in with, like, one out in the seventh to mop up, but then I don't think they're going to bring him back out for the eighth, and I don't think at any point this season Josh Hader is going to pitch more than one inning. I think the bullpen is going to be continued to be managed the same way. Maybe he lets starters go deeper into games in the postseason. In fact, I think he will, but the bullpen is going to be managed uh, exactly the same way. Coming up next, I came to an epiphany last night. Regarding the Brewers, and I was reminded of a take that I had months ago that I now want to take a victory lap on. Sue me, sorry. Uh, and then we'll get into the Packers at 4:35. Wisco Sports Show back after
2: this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talking text line, 608-796-2558. We're going to talk Packers in about 10 minutes. Well, we're going to talk Packers when we get to the Packers next. A couple more things to say on the Brewers. Mad Mike. Oh, Mad Mike. I love you, buddy. Text in and says, Grant, I love the sarcasm. You are the best. That's why I listen every day. Oh, oh, shucks. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't want to do the whole... This team is a World Series team and last night showed us why. I feel like we've been doing that for three weeks. I'm I'm tired. In fact, if it were up to me, I would end the show right now and go home and start watching pregame and start making food for tonight. But I'm here until six. That is what my contract, right? Right, Bob? Right? Yep, yep. I'm here until six. Yep. <laughs> uh, you Yes! Brett and Lacrosse! Happy Thursday Grant season opener. Yes, you better believe it, Brett and Lacrosse. Tom Brady, do you know Tom Brady's 45? How old is Tom Brady, by the way? I better get it right because it's such an unbelievable feat. I can't wait to see how he motivates his defense to lead him to a victory tonight. I actually have Tom Brady in multiple fantasy leagues because I think somehow, way, he's going to throw for like a billion touchdowns this year and probably win MVP. He is age 44. God, I can't believe it. Every day, it's more unbelievable what Tom Brady is doing. Can't. Wow. Big Joe, can you believe how old Tom Brady is and what he's doing at this age? Blows my mind every day when I get out of bed.
4: Can you believe this, (laughs) (laughs) money?
1: No, I cannot. What's up, Big Joe? Not much, Monty. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm amped to go home and watch football after the show. But, man, I'm savoring every minute I have with listeners like you to talk about um, the the Brewers, for example. Yes, even though I want to go home and watch football. Dude, you
4: can't end the show because you wouldn't get a... Get a big Joe Major League quote. Come
1: that's, on. That's true. Do you, what do you got for me?
4: Well, I already gave you the big team. Leave this money after Serrano hit the two-run homer to tie the game.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair.
4: No, I'm excited too, Grant. I got my fantasy team going tonight. I got one Cowboy going. I got Gallup. I picked him up in a later round
1: as a receiver. You got Gallup? I got Gallup. Yep. I got Gallup too, but I don't think I'm going to start him tonight. Hold on. Well, seeing we're talking about our fantasy teams, I'm going to pull up my lineup, Big Joe, because I I don't think I'm going to start him tonight. But I'm hoping by the end of the year, it's like, wow, Michael Gallup came out of nowhere. This is unbelievable. And then I'm going to have him on my team. And he I'm gonna usually feel always does that. He like
4: he flies under the radar and he'll give you a game a game or two where he gets like three or four catches, goes over 100 yards, and gets a touchdown. So it's like, why not?
1: Yeah, I'll keep him on my bench. I got Tom Brady on my bench. I already sold my soul in that regard, so I might as well have a Cowboy as well. <laughs>
4: Hey, I got Kyler Murray and Trevor Lawrence, I think I feel. <laughs> I love that. I love that.
1: I love Kyler. Kyler Murray, if you get a mobile too, quarterback, you're, you're ahead of the pack. I think you need, those, you need those rushing yards, Big Joe.
4: Oh, definitely. Yeah, Grant, uh, I know Ebo is listening, so he's going to be very disappointed in me, but I'm actually on my way down to Janesville. I got a chain or a wire fixed. I tried texting his wife uh, off air <laughs> on Instagram, and she wouldn't even give me a good orthodontist that would fix a wire for me.
1: Come on, Ebo! I thought we were friends. You messaged Ebo's wife on Instagram, Big Joe. You slid into her DMs. I just asked her if she knew anybody that fixes dental wires because mine broke. That's fair. That seems like fair. I mean, did you use any emojis? A, a winky face, even a smiley face, Big Joe. That could get kind of risque, though. Did you oh, keep just, it business like? I
4: just asked her very. Ni- I just asked her very nicely, professionally. I go. Do you know any good orthodontist in the Madison area that would be willing to fix a dental wire?
1: No, oh, you're looking for a recommendation. Okay. Well, you should do that on Facebook exactly. like everybody I else never, does instead of just Googling it.
4: Yep. I never even heard back from her, so that's why I'm heading to Janesville to see my old orthodontist. I haven't seen the guy since high school. That's how long I've had this retainer in, basically.
1: Well, that's, you must have fantastic teeth, Big Joe.
4: I have pretty good teeth, yes.
1: That's incredible. Better than,
4: Hey, put it this way. Better than Austin Powers.
1: That doesn't take much.
4: <laughs> I'm happy for you there, though. So you're not watching the game tonight? I am, buddy. I'm gonna turn it on. I'll be flipping between that and then. You know how much I love my pro wrestling, so I got Impact Wrestling tonight too. So
1: that's true. Do you think AEW is going to take over WWE?
4: I really do. AEW is <sighs> legit. WWE. I try watching it, Grant. It just makes me take a nap. It's really. It's watered down, and I don't, dude. I don't even want to watch Brock Lesnar anymore. It's the same guys. Miss McMahon doesn't make stars anymore.
1: No, AEW—they're making stars. Wow, this is good. This is a good breakdown from you, Big Joe. I think it, maybe not every call, but every once in a while, I'm going to ask you for a wrestling update. You might have to be our guy because we don't have any callers that bring up oh, wrestling. Oh, definitely,
4: I can help you out with that, buddy. Definitely, okay. I'd be happy to help you out with that. Okay. No, I, uh, I'm pretty happy with the I'm pretty happy with the broods right now. By the way, Grant, I honestly
1: think it doesn't matter where you start; it's where you end up. Amen. And I don't cheer for the name on the back of the jersey. I cheer for the name on the front. While we're at it, while, while we're exactly. while we're spewing, yes, absolutely. I'm. Was with the for,
4: Hey? Well. Wasn't that a line
1: from the movie Miracle with uh, Kurt Russell? Uh, pro- was, pro- probably. The name on the front is a, He's like the name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. Yeah, Again. that's that's <laughs> a pretty good Kurt Russell, Big Joe. You have a pretty good Kurt Russell. You're a talented man. I
4: mean, yeah. He basically let's face it, let's face it. Herb Brooks made him skate like. 70
1: laughs, basically, it seemed like. Yeah, yes. That is an excellent movie. I'm not a hockey fan. I love that movie. Big Joe, I think I have to let you go. Uh, I think we've touched hey, about everything we problem. need to t- <laughs> I think we've hit everything. Drive yeah, safe, definitely. man. Yeah, good luck with your teeth. Team, though, anyway. Yeah, good luck with your teeth. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> have a good one. It's big Joe. I don't even know what to tell him. I'm like, yeah, man, I think we I think, I think we got to be done here. Schmidt on the north side text in, cut the attitude. And shut up. You guys can coast through your work day. On day one of the football season, I can coast through mine. I one more thing on the Brewers before we move on, because I want to talk about Devontae Adams and his contract and the, the Packers thing coming up next. But one thing I thought about last night after the Brewer game, well, of which they won, by the way, they won four to three. I have the box score in front of me. If you have any questions, let me know. Is Eduardo Escobar's home run that was the difference? About 10 p.m. last night after the game, I check Twitter. I'm looking around and I see a tweet from Adam Mccalvey who tweets uh, who tweets this. Um, Actually, I didn't save it, but I know what he said. He said that the Brewers are now 31 games over 500, the high watermark for the season, and the best record they have boasted since 1982. And I thought, oh, that's neat. That's cool. An interesting factoid. Time to go to bed. And then right before I went to bed, I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because I remember six months ago, March 30th, this was like three COVID waves ago, Long before we even knew Donder Certified Lover Boy were coming out. I had this take. I had this take about the Brewers. And coincidentally, I went back and found it. It was a day where Bart Winkler, like yesterday, also joined the program. And I bounced this little idea, this take off of him. Here you go. This is six months ago. One Brewers question before I let you go. And it's a big picture question that I just kind of came across yesterday. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Are we living currently in the golden era of Brewers baseball? I mean, think about it. Three straight playoff trips. Wow. I know. Looking like an NL Central favorite this year. Is this as good as it's ever been? I know we always talk about the 80s, but are are we living it right now? Because this is pretty fantastic. I know we're concerned about the Dodgers, but is this the golden age of of Brewers baseball? Craig Council, by the way, third winningest manager in in Brewers history as well. Wow. Wow. See – Back to reality now. That was six months ago. Uh, Gentlemen listening, if you ever leave a woman speechless for whatever reason, it's a pretty big accomplishment. Now, I I don't have that effect with the ladies, but with guests on my show from time to time, sometimes I will present a take or an idea that's so good uh, that guests simply are speechless on the phone, or they say, wow, and this take has aged not like fine wine, something that ages even better than wine, like Apple stock over the course of 30 years it has aged. Amazon stock. This take to the moon. Because we started this season, when I made that take, the Brewers had two amazing all-star pitchers. Now they have three. And then Lauer and Hauser got better. Now we have also have Aaron Ashby. And Arias popped. And they added Adamas and Escobar. And Jace Peterson turned into prime Craig Council. I don't know when that happened. We don't talk about that enough. Just outstanding. And I was mocked for that take. Oh, Grant, how could you dare disrespect the 1980s Brewers? I was insulted. I was hated. I, really, I was chewed up and spit out. Booed off stage. Not really, but I don't think that take was appreciated at the time, and I just wanted to take my victory lap and bring that up uh, once again to remind everybody that we on this program were on The Brewers Are Amazing, and this is as good as it's ever been. We were on this six months ago. Let's talk about the Packers, who are just entering this weird one-last-dance season that might culminate in probably an NFC Championship game loss and all of their good players departing next offseason. Can't wait. Let's talk about that coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Wisco Sports Show, I just I can't believe it. Tom Brady's 44. I I can't believe and look I'm not inspired by much. I'm a pretty cynical human being. There's not much that gets to me, but... The way that a 44-year-old or 43-year-old Tom Brady motivated his defense to win him games last year in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, and the way that he, he... He wanted it to such a degree that the Packers lost their left tackle, made one of the worst coaching decisions in the last two years, right, dropped interceptions, and then the way that he just will power that entire Chiefs offensive line to get hurt. I mean, it's it chokes me up, honestly. God, I love Tom Brady. He's 44. My God, I can't even believe it. I can't wait to watch him tonight. I have him on two fantasy teams. I'm such a sellout. I, he's going to throw touchdowns this year. It's fine. It's fine. I hate myself inside for drafting him. I have Russell Wilson on another team, too. I'm a phony. What are we going to talk about? The Packers. Yes, we're going to talk about the Packers and Devontae Adams. And if you would like to join... You're more than welcome. We've already heard about Big Joe and how Big Joe slid in the DMs of Ebo from the zone uh, in the DMs of his wife. So uh, anyone can top that, please. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to join the show that way as well. I want to talk about Devontae Adams and his lack of an upcoming contract extension. Because he was asked yesterday, are you going to sign a deal? And he's like, no. And we'll talk about that. I will play you that clip coming up. And we'll talk about that answer and more with Mike Clemens in about an hour. But first, before we get into Devontae Adams, I want to do something big picture. Let, let me set this up. Because all summer long, if I remember correctly, Packers fandom was was kind of divided. There were two schools of thought. And there might have been a small middle ground. But I think you fell into one or two groups. Right? You either believed that the Packers shouldn't have to keep Aaron Rodgers in the loop. They don't need to tell him anything. They don't need to ask his opinion Aaron Rodgers' job is to play football, and he should just do his job, right? Because that's what I do at my job, where I make no money and I'm miserable. Like, me. Like we're not professional athletes, right? That's very different. But a lot of people think Rodgers' job is to play quarterback. He should just do that and shut up. Okay. And then there's the other half, and I fall into this camp, where the Packers just send him a text. Just give him a call. Hey, man, like, we really like this Jordan Love guy. Uh, if the board falls in such a way, we might take him. Just a heads up. You're our starting quarterback. You're going to remain our starting quarterback, but we might we might address the depth of the position and, and maybe look at the future a little bit, just see how things go. Just heads up. That's it, right? I don't think that's unreasonable. Now, depends on your perspective. I, I subscribe to the latter perspective, but if you fall in the first one, I, I get it. Maybe you're more old school. That's fine. I read a great perspective today from the Ringers' Nora Princiati, and the article is called The NFL's Empathy Gap. And the lead is, a lack of basic communication skills is causing the smartest NFL team to make the simplest, most avoidable mistakes. It's not a hit piece on the Packers. This is a really expansive read into the Rams and the Eagles, and then there's comments on the Chiefs and the Ravens, and like, the, like all sorts of teams are in this. This isn't just a hit piece on the Packers, but it's so easily, the, the Packers are such a good jumping off point. This is how the lead goes. Uh, the first paragraph Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers did not attend spring workouts or minicamp, then used the threat of a holdout to negotiate a restructured contract that makes it much easier to leave Green Bay after the season. Should he still want to Rodgers last year's NFL MVP was drafted and developed by the Packers has played his entire career in Green Bay and won a Super Bowl with the team. He's the poster child for an organization getting it right at the quarterback position. One of the most challenging tasks in sports. The Packers have a championship caliber roster, a well-regarded young coach, a GM with an excellent draft record, yet a fractured relationship with the franchise quarterback could prematurely close their championship window. And it's possible they could have avoided this scenario with a single phone call. First of all, beautiful setup. That's the first paragraph of the story. I recommend you read the whole thing because it's really interesting. It's not even a deep dive into the Packers and their mistakes. That's just the way that it's set up because that's pertinent and that's... It's timely. That's what, It's topical. It's what people are talking about right now. So this article goes on and on to talk about all sorts of these different teams. This is another excerpt I want to read you. The NFL's most recent evolutionary life cycles have been about data and schemes. Analytics, player tracking data, aggressive management of the salary cap, and offenses lifted from the college game are all hallmarks of successful franchises in 2021. But in the race to optimize, some teams have tripped for reasons as basic as poor communication with players or unhealthy competition between departments within their organization. Cutting edge teams have faltered by failing to navigate the messy convergence of data empowerment, constant news coverage, ownership demands, and the integration of objective data into team decision making. There's a new frontier for teams to explore. In a league with gaining, uh, in a league obsessed with gaining the slimmest of edges, empathy may offer a competitive advantage. So essentially what Nora is writing here is everybody's got an analytics department, everybody's trying to get smarter and use the math and track player data and and, and work for the percentages and the expected value of this play versus that. But ultimately, some of these people can't talk to each other and it's creating huge issues. So it seems trying to get more smart. Actually, they're getting more dumb, which is probably the most dumb way to, to phrase that, right? Talk about the Eagles with Carson Wentz, McVeigh with Jared Goff and how these relationships from the owner to the front office, from the coaching staff and the analytics department all the way down to the quarterback, there's fractures along these lines of communication, and it's creating issues, including the Eagles, who are paying Carson Wentz an exorbitant amount of money to not pay for them. Exorbitant, exorbitant, they're paying him a bunch. And then the Rams, who traded Goff and ate a huge dead cap charge, and then gave up a bunch of picks to get Matthew Stafford. These are smart, sharp teams with smart decision-making processes. If you look at which teams go for it on fourth down when they should, the Eagles are up there, the Rams aren't, but the Rams run a really sharp offense, and their play design is really sticky and smart and the Eagles are very analytically sound right I was looking at fourth down percentage which coaches go for it when they should there's only three coaches in the league that are better percentage-wise than LeFleur Kevin Stefanski Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh and Matt Rule so those are two of the smartest coaches in football two of the smartest organizations in football and Matt Rule who wears an art smock So I'm going to attribute some of that analytical decision-making to his offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who will probably be a head coach sooner rather than later. Of course, however, for Matt Lafleur, in complete and total Packers fashion, he's great at deciding when to go for it on fourth down, except in the NFC Championship game when his head turns into a pumpkin. And the Packers, by this metric alone, fourth down percentage, are the fourth smartest team in the NFL, and yet this is the team that made a poopy diaper with their franchise quarterback, who is now a three-time MVP. Sometimes there remain issues between the analytics people and the football people and the coaches and the front office, right? All of this is presented really well in this piece by Nora Princiati. This is a quote from Amy Gallo, who writes for the Harvard Business Review. She's an editor. This quote is, I think, really illustrative. Quote, the football people act like the high school teenage boys that picked on anyone that wasn't a jock. And the analytics people go immediately to a place where they're going for their ego, And that they're going to win the fight and insult the person's intelligence. The football person, that is. They both go right after the insecurity that the other one has lived with their entire life to win the fight and cut the throat. So the football coaches are the meatheads that are looking to bully the nerd. And the nerd is the person who feels like they're better than the meathead jock who always bullied them. So they're trying to act smart and win the fight. And this is what's creating this issue in NFL front offices. Very interesting read. A lot of good quotes. A lot of good sources. Including friend of show, pro football focuses, Eric Eager. Now... This is where I want to get into Devontae Adams because we can't control how our front office operates. And in this case, it's kind of childish the way that Goody and I think the Packers, have, especially Mark Murphy and Aaron Rodgers do. Although Goody could consult some of his fellow UWL alumnus maybe to advise him. Uh, One is sitting right here. A few others have joined the show. Maybe we could be kind of his crack squad in that regard. I don't know. But as fans, we can control our discourse And where we are smart and mature and reasonable. And this is where I want to bring Devontae Adams into the discussion. Because he talked yesterday about a potential contract extension. And, uh, well, it's very clear. He was asked, is there a chance that you could sign a contract extension before the season starts? Which is on Sunday. By the way, wouldn't be unheard of. TJ Watt signed an extension just a couple of hours ago. So, Devontae Adams, would you sign an extension before the season?
5: No. No chance. No.
1: (laughs) Hold on. I thought... I thought, he, I thought it was gonna be longer. I was drinking, <coughs> drinking water. <coughs> I was very short. I, expe- <coughs> I expected that to be longer. Very short. No, he said, <coughs> short and sweet. Uh, no, not at all. No,
5: no chance.
1: No. No, no chance. Okay. <coughs> Secret. I play cuts because it gives me a breather. I thought that was. <sighs> who, thought that was gonna be longer. Uh, he was then asked, "Will you be able to be, uh, block out the distraction?" The contract and will you be able to set that aside and play football this year oh yeah
5: 100 percent. i mean that's i feel like i had one of the best camps in my career um was able to really lock in come back and get reacquainted with my brothers um uh, me and me and 12 have been on you know we picked up where we left off so um yeah i mean that's like i said it's it's just the way that i have found success you know coming up from from all stages of life just focusing on that moment so um it's not like it took any work to do that, it's just blocking out, you know, the rest of the stuff that I don't really need at the time, which is some of that other stuff that we've talked about. Which, you know, I don't, I don't need that right now. What I need to do is make sure that my body feels as good, uh, my mind is right for uh, for Sunday, and that's 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 the mo- the main focus right now. The most thing that I'm uh, concerned about.
1: Regarding Devontae Adams, and I have a tweet here from Chris in Eau Claire. Hi, Chris. He says Adams obviously doesn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. And we're almost 100% sure this is Rodgers last year. Let Adams go and draft more wide receivers and let them and Love grow together. I don't disagree with your second premise, but the first premise, I'm not so sure. I don't think Devontae Adams is set on leaving Green Bay. I think he wants to be paid as the best wide receiver in the league. And can anyone definitively say at this moment that he's not the best wide receiver in the league? Like It might be up for debate. Who's number one? Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, Adams. But like, I can't say definitively that Adams is not as good as this guy for XYZ reason. It might not be clear, but you could make the argument and it would be a super reasonable one. He deserves to get paid and he feels like the Packers aren't going to fairly pay him. And in listening to Bill Michaels show for five minutes today and listening to some callers and some tweets because his interaction is off the charts. So you can get a pretty good pulse of what people are thinking. If you listen to Bill's show, I hear a lot of people saying, Hey, he's only worth 21 to 24. I'm not going to pay him more than that. I, yeah, I can't pay him more than twenty 21, 24 million. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you can. And I think this type of thinking is the very issue that Rodgers has with the Packers. You want to pinch pennies on the best wide receiver you've probably had since. Don't take this personally here. I think he's better than Jordy Nelson. It might not be a slam dunk, but I think he's bigger, bigger, better, faster, stronger. He's a better route runner. Now, the connection might be similar the way that Jordy Nelson was on the same page with his quarterbacks. But I think Adams is one of their best wide receivers probably since the Favre era. Yeah. If I have to overpay that guy slightly, that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's Aaron Rodgers' beef with the Packers. It's like, wait, you're going to let this guy go because you're only willing to pay him 25 instead of 27? Just pony up and take care of your guy. Just pony up a little bit. Pay two extra million because he's that good. And ultimately, it's the people who win the championships. I, I just think the Packers are trying to get cute with Devontae Adams and they might end up having to trade him because of it. Now, if they can franchise tag him or sign and trade, well, it's okay, that's great. They can recoup something for him, but I I don't want to lose a guy like this because you're not willing to give him an extra million and a half, and I think that might be the Packers' issue, and I think that's Aaron Rodgers' very frustration with this whole situation. Let's take a break. Here from Mike Clemens, we'll wrap up this conversation coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Now in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held practice, getting ready to face the Saints. Matt Lafleur says that linebacker Zadarius Smith, dealing with a back injury, will be limited in practice and is day to day. Lafleur said he showed highlights of Saints running back Alvin Kamara in a team meeting yesterday.
6: He's one of the premier backs in the, in the National Football League and. What makes him so special is his ability not only in the run game, but as a, as a receiver or out of the backfield as well. And Again, we're going to have to be relentless on defense. The
0: Saints have another weapon in receiver Marquez Callaway, who was asked how the players have reacted after evacuating New Orleans and Hurricane Ida for Dallas and the TCU practice facility.
3: I think this trip has made us come closer together as a bond. I think we're bonding a lot more and it's just having to test our willing to adapt to come to a place and try to keep the same mindset into
0: this first game. The Packers' Devontae Adams is beginning the final year of his contract and when asked, says there's no chance he's being offered to sign one later this week. For now, Adams says his focus is securing his place as the best receiver in the NFL.
5: I know I've said it to you guys before, I hold myself to a standard of having a bunch of touchdowns, a bunch of yards, and a bunch of catches because that's what ultimately leads to us winning games. Unless I'm catching that ball and I'm getting in the end zone a bunch of times, based off how much I'm relied on in, this on in this offense, we won't be able to get it done unless I am holding myself to that high standards.
2: Best Packers coverage.
1: Wisco Sports Show. I want to go home, but my contract says I have to be here until 6.00 which is reasonable, I suppose. So we'll do another hour. We're going to talk more about Devontae Adams. A little bit on the Brewers. Mike Clemens will join us at 5.30. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, Wisco Grant. And the talk and text line is 608-796-2558. JB in Eau Claire. So JB in the CV, the beautiful Chippewa Valley, says, in all caps, might I add, pay the man regarding Devontae Adams. Yeah, look, here's the thing. If the Packers want to move on from Adams at any price and get younger and get cheaper, okay, then it might be in their best interests to franchise tag him and trade him or do a sign and trade or pair him with Rodgers somehow. Danny Heifetz of the Ringer, friend of show, tweeted yesterday, and I don't necessarily disagree, says, I feel like Devontae gets tagged and put in a trade package with Aaron Rodgers next offseason. That might be reasonable. Might not be a bad idea for the Packers if their plan is to move off him regardless. If the Packers want to keep Adams at $25 million per year, but not 27 okay, well, that's stupid. Then you're pinching pennies, and you're losing one of your best players over not literal pennies, but relative pennies in the scheme of millions and millions of dollars on a payroll and a huge salary cap in a league that makes a ton of money in the NFL. And I think that way of thinking and that logic and that, Order of operation is what it, Aaron Rodgers has a problem with in the first place. It's like, look, Devontae Adams might be the best wide receiver in football. He might be the best wide receiver this organization has had in 20 years, 20 plus years. And you're going to let him go because you think he's worth 25, but 27 eh, is a little bit too rich for us. What, okay, what are you going to do with the, those extra 2 million bucks? You, you give it to Dean Lowry? Who gives a damn? You're going you're gonna to pay Tyler Lancaster with those 2 million? Great. You might as well light it on fire anyways. Pay the dude. Or, or if you're not keeping him at any dollar, okay, well then trade him. But if this is a matter of two million bucks and it's the analytics department saying, well, he's worth twenty-five, but twenty-seven we just can't do. Okay, well the analytics, or I guess at that point it would be the accounting, the finances, right? Or 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 maybe it is analytics in the way that Devontae Adams is worth this many wins over replacement and that's worth that much money. Whatever. I'm all for being sharp and making smart, number-based, statistic-based football decisions. But at some point, you got to say, hey, uh, we have the second Hall of Fame quarterback in what's going to be a run of, like, 30 years here. Maybe let's just let's just go for it a little bit. And you're like, Grant, they are all in. Yeah, they are. But, like, also, like, Devontae Adams is really good. And even if you lose Aaron Rodgers and you move to Jordan Love, okay, well, who's Jordan Love going to throw to? Okay? That's the next question. And if it's an MVS, even an improved MVS, and Lazard and Amari Rodgers... You're not making Jordan live or Jordan Love's life his love life. <laughs> You're not making his life as easy as it could be, as if he had Devontae Adams to throw to instead. If it's a matter of two million, that's dumb. If you want to move off him anyways, okay, trade him, and I'll go to sleep at night just fine. It'll suck watching him play somewhere else, but I got it. Let's talk more about this coming up next. Mike Clemens at five thirty, Wisco Sports Show. Back after our friend Zach Heilprin. <laughs> kind of an intimate program really when you think about it it's a source of intimacy for couples uh, maybe if you and your significant other maybe you're just not connecting right now we'll throw the show on in the background join hit
0: together this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host grant bills
1: talk more about Devonte adams i was thinking maybe brewers but the brewers bore me today they're really good I, i'm running out of ways to say that so i'd rather talk about Devonte adams and maybe his future after he spoke with the media yesterday gave us some uh some scorching hot quotes really didn't leave anything up for interpretation before we do that i feel like i should update you on the business side of the show the research and develop the marketing side uh i said on monday or i guess tuesday that we really want to attack the student demographic with UW Eau Claire, UW Stout, UW Lacrosse, UW Madison, and all the all the schools coming back into session. That's a big demographic. We want to add those listeners, those youngins, to our, our community, our, our family, right? It's not about advertising dollars. Shut up. Don't put that on me. Right? This is this is about quality of the show community here. Uh, I think I've found a way. Yik Yak is back. And I have infiltrated Yik Yak. Well, it doesn't need to infiltrate. You just sign up. But I am uh, posting messages here and there. It's mostly college kids looking for addresses to house parties, but I'm slipping in messages about the show. Hey, did you hear that Wisco Sports show today? Really good breakdown on the Devontae Adams contract. Wow. Hook, line, and sinker. We're going to get these kids as listeners. I swear, they're going to be hooked. What What a great way to add members to this fine community. 18 to 22, that's the demographic we're going for this week. Come on, we got to gotta go get them. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and if you are a college-to-age student, welcome. You are in the right place. Uh, don't go out tonight. No, don't hit the town. Stay inside, watch football, and listen to the podcast, the Wisco Sports Show podcast, on Spotify, on Apple Music, wherever you get your shows. That's how I would spend my night in my dorm room if I just moved and I'm missing my family. No, 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 no. Don't do any drinking. Don't go out. No. Just sit back. Listen to the Wisco Sports Show podcast. That's that's how you adjust to your new life at your new home in a dorm room or an apartment. You have uh, you have found the right show. I want to talk about the Devontae Adams deal. We're going to talk to Mike Clements at 530. And when I say the Devontae Adams deal, uh, just to recap here, he was asked if there's any chance he signs an extension before the season. This is what he said. No,
5: no chance. No all right, so that's
1: at least he didn't leave us wondering. TJ Watt, by the way, signed an extension with the Steelers today, so it's not unheard of for a deal to get done this close to the season. But Adams said, uh, no,
5: no, no chance, no,
1: not at all. We'll talk about that presser and things that Mike Clemens noticed as he was there for that uh, scorched earth presser. Very clear and short on words. That seems like it's Devontae Adams' personality, though. 608 796 2558. If you'd like to join me to talk Packers at Wisco Grant on Twitter, Brett in lacrosse, Brett. Welcome. How are you today?
6: No. No chance.
1: (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm good. How are you? I'm swell. I, If I'm being honest, want to go home and watch football. I will cherish every moment from now until 6 o'clock that I'm spending with you and everyone who listens to the show, but if I had it my way, I would be on my couch right now.
6: I heard. It's like the last day before uh, Christmas vacation Mm. from school or your last day of school for the summer. That's an excellent Man. analogy, by the way. Did you come you're, up with that yourself? Just, nope. <laughs> Listen to uh, a, a really smart guy uh, starting at four oh one p.m. Today. There we go.
1: That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. That's what I wanted
6: to hear. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave called me. Okay. No, no. I'm saying oh, he was shut! Up. I was going to say, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's it's pretty exciting day though. Yes. NFL starting back up. It is. Uh, Tampa Bay D just happened. To be on uh, one of my my four fantasy teams. Good. So you know we'll see how that goes. Well, Should they go fine. they have I Tom mean, Brady it, it,
1: who will motivate them to no doubt force a couple of it. Did you mm-hmm. know he's forty four
6: by the way? Yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping his bones are brittle and he just goes down. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going and to that, re- that, agree. And when but. when he goes down, he takes Joe Buck with him. <laughs> God, yes. Everybody was so ticked
1: about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman yesterday. You guys got let it good? go.
6: I started that yesterday and I am so sorry. Yeah,
1: you did. It's amazing. You bring up the My most random gosh. things and people start texting in they're all upset. But yeah, not a lot of Joe well, Buck fans. I, I mean, realized.
6: it's no, it's just the dude has never been positive when it comes to oh. the Packers and Rodgers and everybody. So it, we're just sick of him.
1: Ask a Vikings fan. Ask a Vikings him. fan about that, Brett, because a Vikings fan will tell you that all Joe Buck does is how do I say this, is kiss the feet of Aaron Rodgers for three hours every Sunday afternoon. So I I think this is a little bit of a biased take from Packers fans, and I'm not picking on you. I I mean,
7: yeah,
6: possibly. I mean, you got to look at which side you're looking at it from. But, uh, I mean, when we're playing the Vikings, yeah, he's all about it because you know why? We have a championship. We have a reason to have a trophy case. That's the difference between the two programs. Yeah. It's way different. Yeah, I don't don't know how that affects Joe Buck. It's going to be big nights. Okay. Big night. Uh, Tom Brady's going down tonight.
1: Oh, that's such a dark. Don't you have another take? You,
6: you got to have a take. All right? Like, Brett. Oh, hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, defense is going to – the the Tampa Bay defense is going to be the reason that they're still in the game tonight at all. Mm. Uh, or why they're leading. They're probably going to score me about 25 points in fantasy because they're going to have about huh, – I don't even know. Let's call it three strip sacks. Uh three fumbles recovered, and two interceptions. Jesus balls.
1: I mean, that's what a Tom Brady defense would do. That just seems a little rich for my blood, although that would be great for your fantasy team. Brett, I, I, Over. we're talking about Devontae Adams, and I love that we're talking about tonight's game, too. Uh-huh. I, I must tell you that of all the callers that call this wonderful program, and I love all of you, you your friends, for two hours every night when we chat, I got to say, you, you got to start bringing takes, all right? Like, you— I love that you call in. It's a very friendly engagement here we have. And, oh, it's nice to hear from Brett. It's nice to hear from Brenda and Big Joe or wh- whoever it may be. You, I, you need to come out of the gun with something. You need some ammo behind you. So, like, if we're talking about Adams, I want you, when you call in, you got to be like, Grant, I agree. Grant, I disagree. Devontae Adams is worth this much money. He does this for the team. Like, you got to you gotta bring some weight. Do you have anything for me like that today?
6: Well, I think I think it's all going to kind of depend upon how this first game goes and what what we're going to see and what is telling. Okay. Um, we, we have a lot of weapons mm-hmm. right now, so maybe with Cobb joining, this is this is part of what I did with fantasy is is with Cobb joining and with the recent comments by Rogers, Cobb and Devontae are going to be his two top targets because they're going to be the ones that are going to be mostly open. And there's no way that he's gonna bring Cobb in and that he's not gonna to throw to him. I agree. And Adams the majority of the time. Okay. Which really kinda of makes you think, I, I don't know where MBS is actually gonna fall on this besides the surprise long plays if he can catch the ball this year. Mm-hmm. Sounds like his head is in the right space this year. Um and then when it comes to everybody else, like I don't think Lazard is even gonna he's he's not really even gonna be there. You know, they Tanyan, think so? I heard your take on Tanyan thinking that maybe he won't even be the top tight end and that it's gonna be I don't know, one of the other guys, DeGuara. Um well, I, I I don't know. I don't know how much they're actually gonna get the ball, which is kinda of like it it's it's worrisome okay. because I don't know if there's any good Packers receivers that you really want to have that are gonna gain all the points for you when it comes to a fantasy perspective. Now when it comes to real life all right. uh, shoot, give us all of the weapons we have because yeah. we need one, two, three, four and a check down option. Plus we need Aaron Jones to just kill it. First of so all, Brett, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an awesome year. I I, I want to talk about
1: targets. I want to keep talking about this even when I'm done with you. And I'm glad I asked. That was excellent. That we need more of that. Right? We we call in, yeah. and we say, Hey how are Listen. you doing? What you got going on tonight? And then you yes, I like that. I need more of that. That was I, an opinion. That was something. That's what we yeah, need. Yeah. That was good. I felt like I was talking to Jim Rome for a second though. I'm not going to hang up on you like Jim Rome, but it's like we, sometimes we get a little we get a little casual. I know other listeners are listening. It's like, well, what does Brett
6: actually have to
1: say today? You you brought it. Thank you for that.
6: Yeah. Hey. Anytime. I will bring takes hot takes going forward, and then I'm just going to hang up on you.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Just like just like our friend David Venona. Thank you, Brett. This was nice. And enjoy the game tonight. Yep. You too. Excellent call. Brett in lacrosse. Let's, let's talk about targets because this is something we brought up a couple of days ago. Or was it yesterday when Bart Winkler joined the show? Because he doesn't think that Randall Cobb, what was his number, 25 targets? He'll have 25 targets or fewer. Now, that's a pretty bold prediction, which is what we were doing yesterday. And this is something that I talked about with a buddy last night, too. I don't think Randall Cobb is going to stack up that many catches. I don't know that his role is going to be huge. Now, the, the caveat is that I think the catches Randall Cobb has, I think they will be important catches. Touchdowns, third down plays, maybe fourth down plays. Excuse me, I got hiccups. I'm so excited about it. I think Randall Cobb might finish the year. 25 might be a a bit low. Now, if he gets hurt, that obviously throws everything out of whack. But Adams is going to get a ton of catches. I think MVS is going to have a much better year this year than last year. I think he's going to take another step. I think he's just slowly improving, so he'll get some more touches. Alan Lazard, remember, missed a ton of time last year. He's back, and he's healthy. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. They're going to target Aaron Jones a ton, obviously. Now you have Tunyon and DeGuar is back healthy in the mix as well, and you just drafted Amari Rodgers. I think all of those players are higher on the target hierarchy list from an offensive scheme perspective than Randall Cobb is. Now, the personal side, the personal perspective of Aaron Rodgers is that Cobb is his buddy, and he... You know, he got on his soapbox to bring Cobb back. So, of course, he wants to get Cobb the ball and show everybody, hey, he can still play. See, he had a couple of catches today. This is why I wanted him back. So, we obviously need to take that into account. Aaron Rodgers' personality and and his style of play is going to factor in, too. But I I don't think Randall Cobb is going to light the world on fire this year. Bart said 25 catches last night. That's a bit, uh, that's a small number. If he, assuming he stays healthy for all 17 games. There's an extra game to factor in this year, too. But I I don't know that Randall Cobb is going to stack up catches. His catches might be important catches. I think Randall Cobb could have helped them in the playoffs last year against Tampa because it's one extra guy who's experienced, who has that nice connection there in Rodgers, and who's trustworthy. Equinemius St. Brown was in the right place at the right time on that two-point conversion. He dropped the ball. Randall Cobb probably doesn't drop that ball. That doesn't mean that Randall Cobb is younger, stronger, better, faster— it means he can catch the ball, right? Same with MVS on third downs. If he's coming across the the field and he's schemed wide open and the ball hits him in the hands and he drops it, I don't think Randall Cobb does that. I I think Randall Cobb helps in a trustworthy way, in a third down way when the play breaks down. He knows where to go. He'll know where to be and he'll know how to get open for Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think he's going to be a volume receiver and I don't think he'll have the volume, certainly of Adams, certainly of MVS, certainly of Aaron Jones, probably not Amari Rodgers who will play more slot. Because he's the young guy. They want to give him experience. And they put Devontae Adams in the slot as well. And something else to consider. They're not going to run a lot of 5 wide receiver sets. They might not run any at all this year. That's the Mike McCarthy thing. That's not, that's not the Matt LaFleur thing. Aaron Rodgers was actually asked yesterday uh, in his presser. Maybe this was two days ago. I don't know. We haven't had a chance to get to it yet. I think it was yesterday. Aaron Rodgers was asked, now that Cobb is back, you have this nice group of weapons, lots of different options Are you going to spread the ball more around because of that instead of maybe force-feeding your best wide receiver?
8: Yeah, I mean, I've never felt like we force-fed anybody around here. I think we just throw it to the open guy. Okay, wait, 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 wait wait,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that's Cap. That's not true. There's times where he's obviously feeding Devontae Adams. Now, some people say that in the NFC Championship game last year he was doing it. I don't hold that against him because if it was the NFC Championship game and my option is Equinemius St. Brown or Devontae Adams, I'm probably throwing Adams too. Like, I'm I'm not going to fault Aaron Rodgers for that. But I don't think he's ever been, at least since early in his career. In years past, the last five years, he hasn't been Mr. Spread the Ball Around. Early in his career, he was between Jennings and Driver and Finley and then, like, Boykin and Brett Swain was on the team and Spencer Havener would get touches. John Kuhn would get catches. Like, yeah, he would spread the ball around back then. But as Mike McCarthy's offense got a little bit more, what's the word? I don't want to say predictable. I don't want to say stale, because I'm not sure that that's fair to McCarthy. For whatever reason, it just wasn't as effective. And maybe it was a talent drain, too. The, the weapons just weren't as good as they were early on. He didn't have as many guys to throw to. Although, I'd like to think that Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, uh, whoever they would have had at the time. Like, Spencer Havener was no all-star. Brandon Jackson and Brett Swain weren't all-stars, but they got catches back then. Those guys on the roster aren't really getting catches now. I think it's been a while since Aaron Rodgers has been a spread-the-ball-around guy. I watched the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. He'll throw to Chad Beebe on third down if he's open. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is correct in his evaluation here, but that's not the point. His comments on the depth of the wide receiver position.
8: Yeah, I mean, I've never felt like we force-fed anybody around here. I think we just throw it to the open guy. Tay, for a long time, has been more open than just about everybody else way more often. Um I do like the other guys and the way they've developed. Talked at length about uh, Marquez and Allen and having Randall back is is huge because he can play three positions for us. Um, And then Robert Tanyan's development. So, I don't know, it just depends on how teams are going to play us. Uh, We have a unique uh, skill set of guys where we have you know, extremely fast guy, Marquez, a guy who can do it all, and Devontae, Randall, who's an elite slot receiver. Allen, who can play inside and outside and be a good blocker at the point of attack. Um, Robert, who's become a lot better blocker and also you know, an elite uh, pass catcher. And a Big Dog, who does enough in the pass game to warrant uh, you know, him being out there for a number of plays and dominating the line of scrimmage. So I love the versatility of those guys and the depth that we have, and I feel good about uh, – you know, different things we can throw at teams, and especially if they try and take uh, Devontae away the entire game. The
1: Packers group of weapons has been under a lot of scrutiny for the last two years, and I don't know if it's been fair or if the analysis has been smart. I don't think the analysis has been smart, okay? So Jordan Love is drafted. Oh, my God, what an outrage to Aaron Rodgers. Instead of helping him, they drafted a backup quarterback, which they didn't they didn't help him, but I, I don't know if the, the wide receiver group was that bad where they needed needed guys, because what we've learned now after the fact is like, well, they had some young guys they liked, and Lazard fit really well, and the offense really doesn't need a whole lot of wide receivers. They can use running back, and they have some tight ends they like. But the combination of all of these factors, the drafting of Jordan Love and coming up short in an NFC Championship game, the narrative from the national media, which is a term I hate using, but it's true in this instance, weapons! Needs weapons! And where I think that criticism was a little bit more fair two years ago because some of these wide receivers weren't as good two years ago as they are now. I, I think the criticism of the Packers' weapons was maybe coming from a correct place, but it was deployed incorrectly. Oh, the Packers have no weapons. Well, yes and no. They, they have weapons. What they lack are elite weapons. They have Adams and then a bunch of other pretty good guys. Their weapons don't suck. The problem is they have one amazing guy, and then it drops off and a bunch of dudes. Right, like I like Dylan, I like Jones, but they're running backs. I like Tunyon, but he's limited. I like MVS, but he has issues that always seem to arise. I like Lazard, but he went undrafted for a reason. Right, he's not as explosive and fast, and, and he can't create plays like some wide receivers who were drafted early, like an Ayuk or a Debo Samuel or Metcalf or a Terry McLaurin, all guys the Packers could have had. Right, the Packers' weapons aren't garbage, but they could be a little bit better. And I think the narrative kind of got off the rails about the Packers' weapons, and I think we all got stupider over the years for it. The last two years. I think the train really got off the tracks and we were a bit misguided. Let's keep talking about this here a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. And I see we got some calls. We'll get to those, I promise, coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Mike Clemens up in 10 minutes. We're just, what are we talking about right now? Just Packers in general, just BSing. We started by talking about the Devontae Adams situation. He said, I'm not going to sign an extension before this year. Absolutely not. No way, no how. No. Okay. So we're talking a little bit about that. And I think it's really interesting today. Nora Princiati for the ringer put out a piece about communication skills in front offices in the NFL and how analytics people and coaching staffs have often found themselves at odds and they're trying to outsmart each other. And it's not always led to the most productive work environment. The Eagles, the Rams, the Packers all cited in this, obviously the Packers are the lead. They're the jumping off point because they're the team that has the good GM, has the great head coach, the great roster, a winnable division, a winnable conference. And yet their quarterback wants to leave because they failed to send a text message, right? It's the topical, Example to use, I think, if we're talking about what Nora coins in the title of the piece, the NFL's empathy gap. These front office people aren't people people, and that's the problem. So maybe that has something to do with the Adams situation. I don't think Adams wants to leave Green Bay. Some texts and some tweets that I've gotten, 608 796 Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Some people believe, oh, if Adams wants to go, just let him go or trade him. I I don't think he wants to go. I don't think he's set on leaving Green Bay. I think he wants to be paid what he's worth. And I know we never want to pay players a lot of money because for whatever reason, we feel bad, despite it not being our money. But Adams is really, I want to swear, he's really good. And he's the type of really good wide receiver that fits with any quarterback in any offense because he gets open. He's not a jump ball guy. He's not a burner. He's not, He gets open. He's with Stephon Diggs in that regard. You saw Stephon Diggs go to Buffalo and work immediately. Why? Didn't matter who's playing quarterback. Didn't matter the scheme because he gets open. And he makes himself available and easy to throw to. Josh Allen couldn't hit the broadside of a barn for two or three years. Now all of a sudden he gets Stephon Diggs. He looks like an MVP. Devontae Adams is one of those wide receivers. And if the Packers are like, well, we'll give him 25, but 27 is too much. Well, that's stupid. Okay. What are you going to do with those extra $2 million you saved? You give him to Dean Lowry. Sick. Great. Oh, thank you for saving the Packers, Brian Gutekens. So those $2 million will finally get us to the Super Bowl. I can see it now. 608-796-2558. Eric on I-90. Eric, a Vikings fan you are, chiming in on this Packers conversation. How are you, buddy?
7: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You said you wanted hot takes? Sure. Is that, that's what you wanted?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh,
7: Brett's prediction on tonight's game I think Brett's high. It's uh, Tampa Bay's gonna gonna just they're gonna wipe out the Cowboys
1: tonight. Yeah, I, they ain't even
7: gonna be
1: yeah. close. I'm with you. I don't see how the Cowboys win this game. It's in Tampa this opening night. The Super Bowl champ is supposed to win. Tonight is designed for Tampa to be able to celebrate, to be able to celebrate their Super Bowl win and win tonight. Like the Cowboys aren't supposed to win tonight's game. That's not how this is set up.
7: But I do understand, Brett. I mean, Brett is a Packer fan, and like all Packer fans, should they shouldn't like Tampa Bay now, mm-hmm. and they should be hoping they lose, right? Mm-hmm. It's a rough one because the Cowboys suck, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see they team Cowboys. win. <laughs> it's true.
7: Right. But uh, that's my hot take. Um, Bucks play in about a month now again, right? Yes, they
1: do. Yes, they do.
7: And, uh, you know, I'm not going to chime in on all your Packer stuff. You know, I'm a Viking fan. I'm going to let you guys talk, and I'll, I'll listen. And I think Devontae Adams is an awesome wide receiver, and mm-hmm. Green Bay should do whatever they can to keep him.
1: Oh, thank you. A voice of reason. You
7: know, regardless of what happens. But, you know, you, you if you're running an NFL team, you can't start running it like you're a fan from lacrosse, right? Mm-hmm. You have to run it as a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, just because, and, oh, your, your talk about Randall Cobb, I think you're right on, 30, 35 catches. You know, he's got to be able to separate. And I don't know how old he is. How old is he?
1: Mm, not as old as Tom Brady. Tom Brady's 44. God, I can't believe it. Let me look up yeah, how old Brady. Randall, Randall yeah, Cobb is.
7: Brady. <laughs> Rand- Tom Brady don't have to separate from anybody.
1: No, he does you know? not. Uh, I have slow internet in here. Hold on. Randall Cobb is 31.
7: 31. Now, I don't know how, you know, you got, uh, geez, Jerry Rice. He did well at that age. There's not a lot of them, though, that really excel there. No.
1: Do I they? Can't imagine. No. I mean, I'd have to do the research, but no, I I don't think so. I I think where Cobb will help them this year, like almost like a tight end, like a security blanket on third down or in the red zone, he's the guy who has the the experience, the wily vet, where he'll know where to sit and wait for Aaron Rodgers to get him the ball, or he'll have that sixth sense thing, or he just won't drop the ball, which the Packers have had issues with. I think that's how he'll help the team.
7: I would agree with that. He might do 25 catches, but... You know, six of them might be touchdowns.
1: Exactly. hey, we're in lockstep today, Eric. I agree. I don't think he's gonna have a lot of catches, but I think the catches he has, they will be important catches.
7: Yeah. Well, enjoy the game tonight. I'm really happy it's football season again and and um I really don't care who wins this game tonight, but I don't like I don't like Tom Brady either.
1: Yeah, yes. Eric, I agreed with everything you just said. Thanks for the call, man.
7: Yeah.
1: Right. Eric on I-90. What a fantastic call. Bucs He is our, uh, if you're new to the show or you don't know Eric's backstory, he is somebody who picked up Bucks fandom later in life as opposed to being an NBA fan in his youth and then walking away from it, which I think is most people's situation. It's like the Catholic faith. Everybody's raised Catholic. Very few make it the distance. I feel like people's NBA fandom is very similar. Oh, I used to love the NBA, but. Then the game. I don't recognize the game anymore. I travel all the time, or whatever. Everybody's got a different reason, right? Maybe you're just a fan of the Bucks and they were bad for so long, so you just stopped watching. I get it. TC Sin says, "Great GM, the one that's got them in salary cap hell the next year and has alienated a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback." Rogers makes any GM look good. With him. okay, let me uh, let me edit what I said. When I said great GM, he's a good drafter. Right? He's got a great draft record. He drafted Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary. I think he's going to be excellent, even if it took two years. Right? I Like, I think Brian Gudekins is very good at drafting. And that's a very important skill. When you have a high-priced quarterback, you need to be able to find guys in the draft. He's done that. Right? Now, there are some personal issues. Amen. That's what we're talking about. But I think drafting and acquiring talent, you got the Smiths, got Billy Turner, Amos. These are signings that have worked out. I think he can draft. I think he can sign. The people's thing, that's a little different. I agree. And the salary cap help, that's by design. Right? They know where they are this year. They know their situation. I'm not going to hold... Brian Goody can see you to the fire over that. Let's take a break. Get connected with our good, good buddy, Mike Clemens, coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Intent.
7: Blitz. Rogers steps away in trouble, throws as he stands.
9: Number 37 defense. That penalty Results play. Touchdown. Magic
5: from Roger. I know I've said it to you guys before. I hold myself to a standard of having a bunch of touchdowns, a bunch of yards, and a bunch of catches because that's what ultimately leads to us winning games. Unless I'm catching that ball and I'm getting in the end zone a bunch of times, based off how much I'm relied on in this, on, in this offense, you know we just we won't be able to get it done unless I am holding myself to that high standards.
1: A little bit from Devontae Adams last year, that Jacksonville game last year. Now they're playing in Jacksonville this weekend, but they won't be playing the Jags. We're talking with Mike Clements, our green and gold insider. Going to hear from a couple of players and coaches. Mike, something I noticed and I listened to Devontae Adams talk is he, and I mean this with no criticism, just no nothing mean-spirited here at all, is Devontae Adams a little different? He just seems like he's intense all the time. Like he would be an intimidating guy to go talk to and ask questions
10: over the last couple of years, he has stepped up as the vocal leader of the receivers.
1: Okay. And
10: that's after watching, you know, Jordy and Randall. So I think he feels he needs to step up. And also, somewhere about a year and a half, two years ago, either from the Packers front office and I think amongst a couple of the beat reporters, just looking at the guy's stats, a lot of people in Green Bay just thought, you know, Devontae Adams is being overlooked. There's four or five other guys that everybody's talking about and, Maybe people talk about from fantasy and from a pure stat standpoint. But they just thought, this guy is incredible. So you start to hear a lot of stories and then some of them being picked up. And then last year he had a great season and his quarterback was MVP. And now people regard him as like the highest, the best paid,
7: or rather the
10: best receiver in the NFL. He wants to be the highest paid. So, uh, you know, there was a great story this morning, Grant, Mm -hmm. in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. That said, yesterday, Devontae was asked, hey, you know, it's the first week. The Packers kind of like to do things where, all right, we had a great training camp. We're all set. Let's reward this player now to you know, get things started on the right foot. And uh, he was asked, any new deal on the new contracts? And he said, no,
1: yeah. nothing. <laughs> it was awkward. Which I think, also,
10: well, I think it also means, Well, and according to Tom Silverstein's story today, it might be from the Devontae Adams camp where it's like, you know what, we went through this all through the offseason, and then we didn't know if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. So you know what, we're at the standpoint now where our guy just wants to play this season, Let's see what happens, maybe he can get a Super Bowl ring and add that to his resume. Meanwhile, T.J. Watt was the other guy who was up. Both these players, T.J. Watt and Devontae Adams, yeah. they want guaranteed money. They don't want this signing bonus and five-year deal and where we can cut you in two. They want guaranteed money, and it looks like TJ Watt just got it from the Steelers four years and 112 million dollars. So you ask Devontae: Is is the contract what this is all about right
5: now? I just I'm just trying to make this thing as little about me as, as you know. I'm not really a big me guy. Um, you know, I want I want it to be on me when it's when it's time to shine. You know, throw me the ball. But as far as the attention, look, we we don't really know what's going on, so it's. That's the team perspective, but it really it relates the same as it pertains to me and Aaron as well. Like, you don't we don't really know what's going to happen. So, at the end of the day, you know, it's been something that Aaron and I have talked about. And we try to like, you know, just just have the right mindset on. You know, we out there golfing or whatever. We just say this this has to be the year, just because we're not going to have exactly the same team next year. And whether that's him being not, not here, me, uh, Mercedes, whoever it is, you know, Marquez, whatever the situation is, it's just not going to be quite the same without all the pieces that we have now. So that's why I kind of made it general, tried to hide it in there a little bit, but uh, that didn't work for you. So hopefully that was good enough.
1: A lot of people this off season, Mike, have been like, well, Adams doesn't want to resign if he doesn't know what what's up with Rodgers. And maybe there's an ounce of truth to that, but the way that I read it, and tell me if I'm wrong, because you, you're a lot closer to this than I am, I think Adams would resign in a heartbeat in Green Bay, Rodgers or not, if he got the contract, he feels like he deserves. I think that's his issue with the Packers, not the Rodgers uncertainty, right? Right, I think from a pure business standpoint,
10: yeah, you just want to get the contract, you want to get paid. I think he likes Green Bay as a facility. I think he could adjust to Jordan Love if Rogers decides to pull out. But I think the point of that is, is this: for these guys, focus. That you know, when he talks about, look, me and Aaron are going out golfing and talking about this. Hey, whatever happens, Mercedes ain't going to be here. Mm-hmm. Who knows how many other free agents? They've got serious salary cap problems happening. Next spring, this is really, really going to look like a different roster. Maybe we don't want to be here, so they just leave it at that. And then in the meantime, you turn and you ask Aaron Rodgers about, okay, well, with those kinds of things in the air, and the fact that you had this really disappointing loss at home to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who, you know, left the Patriots, picked another team, and not only went to the Super Bowl, but won with that second team. I mean, that is so in your face. So Aaron Rodgers was asked, you're looking for your third time in a row to reach the NFC championship. Is there a lot of pressure in this locker room right now?
8: feel that I get with the energy in the locker room is not pressure, it's uh, focus. I really do. I think it's the right perspective and the right type of focus. Uh, We know we have a talented team. We know what the expectations are. Um, We're just focusing on accountability and holding each other accountable uh, because regardless of what happens with any of our situations, this group will not be together the way it is now in years down the line. So we're going to enjoy this year for all it has to offer and each other. And I think that's the right perspective to have in, in, in this situation.
1: I mean, you got to say that, but there has to be some pressure, right? I mean, the salary cap's about to pop. All of these guys are on the way out. I know he says there's no pressure, but there's pressure, right?
8: (laughs) Well,
10: you know, they they won't acknowledge it, you know, the outside noise and and all that kind of
5: stuff. Yeah.
10: So I don't know much about this Saints defense because of the turnover they've had. Cam Jordan's still there. He's a hell of a football player. And they brought back Malcolm Jenkins. What's he? 41? I mean, he's really old. Mm -hmm. I I almost thought that was a misprint uh, when I saw that he was back on the depth chart and in camp for the Saints. And then they only had three corners in camp, so then the other day they brought in Desmond Trufant. Now, that's the guy who was with the Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl and Matt LaFleur's on there. And then Roby, this trade with the Texans, like a third-round pick. So they're just still sort of assembling their defense. And then on top of that, you look at the depth chart. You know who's lining up a nose tackle because of injuries? Christian Ringo. Really? A guy that, yeah, the six-round pick that Ted took in, like, I want to say 2016, by 2017, he had Christian just wasn't going to have either injuries, didn't
3: get it. They waived him
10: because they had drafted, used a third-round pick on Montrevious Adams, yeah. who ended up being a bust for Green Bay with a constant foot injury. Do you know who's on their depth chart at nose? It's going to be Christian Ringo and Montrevius Adams, who just joined the Saints this week. So, I mean, I... I just take Aaron Jones and run it right up the middle, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I probably would. I'd probably do that too. Yeah.
10: So the good news is, if you you're starting two rookies on the offensive line, you got Royce Newman at right guard, and then you got, of course, Josh Myers out of Ohio State. And so I asked Josh uh, after practice. So you know, as I watched your camp, and you got yelled at one day from Aaron Rodgers, whatever. You're we're trying to fill the shoes of Corey Lindsley. I said, you know, the week, that game against Buffalo Bills, noisy crowd, so you know what that's going to be like, you know, real game-like conditions. Great defense. They played some of their starters on the road. How much did that week of preparation for that final preseason game help you as you get into week one against the Saints?
5: Yeah, I think the prep going into that game and then just since then prepping for the Saints and all of the operation things. Uh, that I've gotten to do in those these last few weeks has been super helpful.
1: Mike Clements, our Packers reporter. Mike, it makes me think of when you first went to college. My brother just moved into Madison, and you get there a couple of days before, and you don't go to your classrooms. You don't go to class, but maybe a, a day or two before you start, you go around. It's like, okay, that's where that building is. That's where that building... Okay, so I have a good idea. That's got to be what, like, that Buffalo game was, right? Like, it's not a real game. It's not the real thing, but you kind of do a walkthrough, and you get a feel for the routine, and, and it, you at least get a good idea of what a regular season road game kind of entails, right? Orientation, checklist, yes.
10: routine. Because otherwise, it just
1: seems like, man,
10: I don't know where to start. No, you can overstudy for a game, too, and worry too much about it. So now... Uh, To me, Grant, the pressure uh, in this game is on the quarterback of the Saints. I mean, it's Jameis Winston trying to prove to the league, hey, I'm not going to throw three picks. I've learned from Sean Payton from last year, even Drew Brees helped me. I beat out Taysom Hill. And listen to the leadership. Here's this team that had to run out of Louisiana because of Hurricane Ida, set up shop at TCU, and still try and finish the rest of their camp. They had their last preseason game canceled. Listen to the leadership of this guy trying to call on the Saints back home, as the Saints fans, as they clean up from the devastation of the hurricane. Here's Jameis Winston.
9: I want to say thank you to all the first responders and the people on the ground right now working in New Orleans to help our city be resilient. We're going to feed off of this to make us stronger. Everybody. In Louisiana, we're with you. We're going to represent for you. Second thing is, everybody in the Florida Gulf Coast area, come out there and support us. You can make it to the game if you're in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, North Florida, South Florida, wherever. We need all our Saints fans out there represent us because we're together. It's a blessing. It's been more than a year removed from me having the opportunity, and I'm, I'm not taking anything for granted, and I'm just I'm blessed and grateful. As a Packer
1: fan, I hope Jameis Winston stinks this weekend, but as a football fan... I- If he could be good and establish himself, even as just a middle-of-the-road starter for the next four or five years, I don't know if in my lifetime there's been a story like this. He was the first overall pick in 2015, failed in Tampa, then he took a backup job, and now in a second stint, you just don't see quarterbacks really take this progression. I think that would be really cool and would be kind of a new way for a quarterback to establish himself, a story you don't see very often. That'd be cool. And Granny's
10: playing for one of the best coaches in the NFL, Sean Payton, mm-hmm. a guy that Ted Thompson passed on and hired Mike McCarthy instead. I asked Matt Lafleur today why is Payton such a good coach. He said, "Case in point, he put in Teddy Bridgewater and won five games. Yeah, that's why he's a good coach. That's why the Saints have won more regular season games the last four years than any other team in the NFL." Jerry Gray is the secondary coach for the for the Packers, and he's got to tell his guys like Adrian Amos and Savage. Don't give up on plays because Jameis Winston is going to throw the long ball.
9: Well, you know, whenever you look at uh, Jameis Winston, you know he can throw the deep ball very well. He, he showed that in preseason, and he can drop it in there wherever he needs to. So, you know, he, he has an arm that's going to get you about 55 or 60 yards in the air. I mean, I, I played against him when he was at Tampa, and he did the same thing. You know, he's going to throw the ball deep. So that gives you a good chance to, you know, you've got to be able to cover – their receivers, and I think they got about three or four good receivers there. You know, the thing is that you can't go in and say, "Well, there's no big name guys there." Well, the NFL, there's good football players on every team, and you got good quarterbacks, and they're gonna get them the ball. So your job is to go out there and cover the guys that they have, and we got we know we got to cover deep now. You know, to where I know sometimes people say, "Well, Drew couldn't do this," but the good thing about Drew, you know, just going up against him, he got the ball out of his hands. And he got to the guys that was making plays. So those are, that was different than Drew. But I think Jamison Winston is a different quarterback. Even uh, Hill is a different quarterback. You know, he can throw the ball deep also. So you can't just all of a sudden say, well, we don't have Drew Brees. And you take a deep breath. You probably got to cover longer. And then that third corner is going to be a little bit more important for you. Because if you're running 50 yards down the field, you want to put somebody in because they put receivers in different, too.
1: I mean, who's the number one threat other than Alvin Kamara, who I don't know if Kamara fits with Jameis Winston like he fit with Drew Brees last year. What is it, Marquez Calloway? Like, I know the Saints want to push the ball down the field. I just don't know who they're pushing the ball to.
10: Yeah, Calloway is really good, Grant. Is I mean, he? I watched him in a couple of the preseason games. Yeah, you just have to throw it in his zip code, and that kid's going to go for it. He's in their second year, and with Michael Thomas still out, I mean, that's the guy – that's going to be featured okay. so then the other thing is can the packers improve field position improve special teams so they they released jk scott they made the trade and they got this Corey behore quez out of the rams for a six-round pick and so far so good i mean you know you talk to the coaches today and what do you what do you like about cory they say hang time hang time this guy puts the ball up in the air gives our guys a chance to get downfield Consistently, That's what we're looking for. And I think I like his attitude, and he's smart. He sounds like another Mason Crosby. So we asked him the other day when he arrived in Green Bay if he'd ever met Aaron Rodgers before, and he said, yeah, back in 2018 when I was with the Bills and we came to Green Bay. And after the game, I went up to Aaron and asked him for his jersey. Listen to this story.
9: Actually, my my rookie year when we played here, I asked him uh, if I could get his jersey. They were on the throwback ones, and that was definitely a long shot And I did not get one.
8: (laughs) I don't remember that. I actually squared him up in the locker room nicely. I said, said, that's the story you're going to go with on day one, huh? (laughs) I don't remember that. It would have been a no either way, though. (laughs)
1: Mike, you got to shoot your shot. Trust me, as a radio host, I'm always trying to get the biggest, best guess. Like, you got to ask. And, yeah, you get rejected a lot. That seems to be the experience of the Packers' new punter. But it never hurts to ask, ever, until maybe your quarterback blasts you like that and puts you on blast in in the locker room.
10: (laughs) No, it never hurts to ask. So, anyway, we're headed to Jacksonville on Saturday morning. The game kicks off at 325.00 wisconsin time and i think that helps because the forecast is like a high of 90 mm. and maybe some thunderstorms but it gets started later in the day so that might help in terms of the heat but to me here's the biggest question what's can adaria smith play i don't think so He was out there in the practice field a little more today preston smith now was out today with some sort of cut to his head but uh, other than that what is this defense going to be like under joe Barry? is this guy going to be able to Handle whatever Sean Payton throws at him. That will be really interesting to see if the defense can at least be as good or somehow improve week one under the new defensive coordinator.
1: Well, just check Twitter after the first Saints drive, and I'm sure people will draw conclusions right away. That's what happened last year. Dalvin Cook went down the Vikings score, and everyone was like, okay, they didn't change anything. So the, the first drive, people will draw their conclusions very quickly, Mike. That's normally how it goes. I'll be
10: looking for your tweets,
1: pal. (laughs) Good. And, hey, travel safe, enjoy the game, and, and it's good to have you at the games. I appreciate your work. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Grant.